Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? I don't care what lies you've been watching tonight. I don't care what fake media news stories have been broadcasted over the airwaves of ESPN. Uh, I don't care about the the fake stats and the the terrible propaganda being disseminated by the college the corrupt college football playoff committee. Your Bearcats are still number two in the hearts and minds of the AP voters, in the hearts and minds of coaches, and Cincinnatians everywhere. It is a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcats fan. Indeed it is. You know, not, not much else has to be said. This is a team of the people. It's a team of the country. And I'm hoping that every fan base out there uh, that's not a part of the, the establishment, as you'll hear us talk about later in the podcast, are able to rally behind the, the absolute screw job the Cincinnati Bearcats um, faced and, 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 are, and are undergoing right now with the college football playoff committee placing them at number six in the initial playoff rankings. It's, it, it's a, uh, it's a travesty. And because of that, I'm going to keep this introduction short because what do we do when things are doom and gloom, when we need to talk bigger picture, when we need to get insights from one of the more wise men in the Cincinnati Bearcats community, who do we get on Hummer? I know, I know, I know, I know. Wait, hold on. I know the answer to this. Uh, um, uh, Brian Fox, Brian Fox, indeed. So without further ado, let's get straight into the good stuff. Brian Fox. We are now joined by Brian Fox. I'm not even sure what title to introduce you with today, sir, but, uh, you've got a website, Bearcat sports radio, the spear tip of the spear is how you should refer to me me and coach luke we're going to war with the college football playoff committee um they're not going to box us out tim brando's going to war with us he he has a shield he is sending tweets he's fired up tim 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 guevara is actually what we're referring to him as now he is no longer tim brando although brando is pretty appropriate too uh, but Tim, Tim Guevara, he's a true revolutionary at this point, saw it coming. And, and yeah, we're not going to bury the lead here. We're having you on because it is time to chat about the initial college football playoff rankings that uh, they, they did. They look, they got right to it, fellas. They put Cincinnati at six here to start uh, behind the likes of Georgia, behind the likes of Alabama, Michigan State, Ohio State, Oregon. Who am I missing there? Who am I missing? Michigan State. Michigan so State. It's it's Georgia one, Alabama two, Michigan State three, uh, Oregon four, Ohio State five, and then the, the Cincinnati Bearcats, according to Kirk Herbstreet, who lives here now. I don't understand how he still is from here, but he still can't pronounce it correctly. We don't refer to him on this show as as by that name. He is Derp Street. Kirk Derp Street. Street. Let's get into it because I, th- I would say going into today, 
uh, a lot of folks were, were the debate was between two and four. Where do the Bearcats fall? There's an outside chance that maybe they come in at five. And the committee got right down to business and started the Bearcats at number six, which after, I mean, looking at the Bearcats resume with the victory over Notre Dame, um, looking at the at the teams in front of them, like Oregon, who have who have a loss on on hand to to Stanford. Uh, where do we start with this, Brian? Like, where where do you even start in terms of how to discuss this travesty? Well, I mean, you know, it's 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 uh, it's like watching your heartbreak in real time. Um, you know, it, it's I, I saw it coming. I thought it was going to happen to us. I kept seeing all these people who, you know, were Pollyanna-ish saying, oh, they're going to, I think they're going to put us, you know, we'll at least be top four. I was surprised they put us in at, at six because I assumed that they would do everything within their power to put us, you know, as far out of reach as possible. Um, but, you know, the only thing that buoyed us was the the win in South Bend. Everything else has, was, completely discounted um and 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 they of course deigned not to bring up the fact that this is the third consecutive season of near perfect football that the bearcats have have strung together um and yet you know they're they're you know they they offer like it's a consolation that we're the highest g5 team to ever be you know uh placed in the college football playoff rankings but you know what it's not, it's no consolation to me. I don't feel consoled. Um, I feel hurt. They hurt my feelings, I guess is what I'm saying. And it's all of this is happening. Ironically, you know, the week that college game day is coming to Clifton and, uh, you know, five years ago, Brian, it was, you know, maybe a little healthier, smiled a little more, a little less despondent. Uh, he would have been just ecstatic that College Game Day had selected his uh, university as the location for College Game Day. But I can't help but see everything through the lens of they are absolutely screwing us. In, in broad daylight, too. I, I disagree with you saying that I could see this coming. I could not see sixth coming. It doesn't. It's so brash. It's so bold. It's so shameless. It was much more easy for me to see a world where SMU and Houston don't make the top 25, which they did not. Um, instead, you see Fresno State, who has two losses, uh, one of those being to Hawaii. Um, they, You see the Big Ten get teams like Wisconsin, three-loss Wisconsin in the top 25. All of the pieces start going into place of we are enabling the likes of Ohio State Oregon, you would think Oklahoma, but Oklahoma kind of got jobbed in this whole thing. Uh, but we're sort of setting the table so that the Bearcats can start at that four spot or that five spot. And then we gradually see them trickle downward as we did last season, where they, they settle into that seven or eight spot at the end of the season, because we've, we've put these other P five programs in position to move up the rankings based on this, um, human centipede like situation where they get to all like eat each other, uh, connect, connect each other to one another, get these victories because they've made up fantasy rankings where, um, you know, they get, they now can get another win against a 23 ranked team. Whereas UC is not going to play a ranked team now at this point. 
that's what I saw Let's, coming. And instead they just, they skipped the foreplay and went and went straight to boning us. <laughs> they, we were on, you know, we thought we were going to get some dancing a little bit, but instead they just handed us the room key. <laughs> Didn't even buy us a drink. I, I mean, I look at the, I look at San Diego state, right. Who is featured prominently in the top 25. They feature wins over New Mexico state, winless Arizona, a middling Utah, Towson, New Mexico, San Jose State, Air Force, and then they lost to Fresno State. I look at Fresno State's resume, a two-loss team that was only and entirely placed in the top 25 to Bowie, Oregon. They feature wins against UConn, Cal Poly, UCLA, which has tanked, UNLV, Wyoming, Nevada, and San Diego State. They lost to Oregon, and they lost to Hawaii. So how is a Houston team that has one loss, they always talk about playing your best football at the end of the season. They lost one game. They lost at the beginning of the season to Texas Tech. Okay, SMU has one loss. Their lone loss is to Houston, but they also feature a win over TCU. It, It is... It is a systematic, it is a coordinated, collusive effort on their part. Straight up. And you you won't convince me and Tim Brando otherwise. <laughs> nor Coomer, nor Hummer. The word corrupt is thrown around a lot these days. And Tim Brando was, I, I, I have to say, like deserves legitimate props for having that type of platform where you've got 125,000 followers uh, on Twitter you are on national broadcasts on a weekly basis. And the man is hitting the streets, uh, slapping his Bible about, about the, the president or the director, executive director of the college football playoff committee saying he's the mouthpiece for ESPN. This drivel you hear coming from the likes of, uh, of, of senior writer Heather, and I'm forgetting her last name off the top of my head. Dinich. Dinich of Heather Dinich. Um, He's saying, look, I know who that's coming from. That's not Heather. She's simply a, a pawn used to get out the message that the college football playoff wants out there. And it's, it, it's exactly what came true, except they took it even a step further. I think Tim had us coming in at four or five, and they skipped it. Again, like they just completely jumped that step and said, nah, we're just going to completely uh, – there's not going to be any sort of illusion here for what's going on. You're out. You're not in. Don't care about the victory. We're holding every single little thing against you that we can. Where are you at with the with the game day situation, Hummer? Because was because Brian mentions the game day situation, and my first thought initially when you think game day decides to finally come to Cincinnati, the 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 the, the optimistic view of that would be they realize that the Bearcats are going to get a historic college football playoff ranking this week, and coming to Cincinnati on the heels of that is the perfect way to sort of celebrate the achievement and, and offer up the debate for, to a national audience about whether or not Cincinnati belongs in this top four. Instead, in hindsight, it seems a lot more likely that they came, they're coming to Cincinnati sort of as a, as a, a chance to laugh in our face, essentially. We knew this was coming and we know it's gonna be controversial. And rather than talk about it at another SEC school or at UTSA or wherever the hell they would decide to take it, they're coming straight to Clifton on campus 
to, you know, quote unquote, debate whether or not, you know, Cincinnati got jobbed with this number six ranking. The, the, the game day anthem is a funeral dirge. Okay, <laughs> this is this is not a a, a college football pregame show. Uh, it, it is a it is a funeral. And and, and we'll all show up wearing our red and black burial clothes uh, while you get Kirk Herbstreet, you know, dancing as vociferously as possible around the reality that is right there in front of his face, which is all this team has done is win. All we've done is win. And yet somehow, you know, a, a loss to Texas A&M was a stronger resume builder for Alabama than our win against Notre Dame in South Bend. Look, I think at the end of the day, this is going to be the biggest mistake in ESPN's history is bringing college game day to Cincinnati after the anal probing they just pulled because this fan base is just angry. It's, it's in the words of Wes Miller, it is now fired up to the point that, you know, we, we have a history of, of saying some stuff in stadiums that, that comes through the speakers of the television sets of Americans. And we're going to have, you know, we've had a sold out student section that's going to be there. And I can only imagine that we're going to get some, you know, and this is, if you have kids in the car, cover it, cover their ears. You know, we're going to get some fuck Gary, fuck you, Gary chance. You know, we're, we're going to get some fuck the committee. We're going to get some, cre- and this is for people listening to signs, get creative. I mean, get creative, get vulgar. Get that shit have to be blurred out on television. Just absolutely demolish. Give some fines to ESPN. Make it so that they have to turn down the volume of the crowd to basically be doing game day on a silent stage in the middle of just pandemonium breaking out on the University of Cincinnati's campus. Because it's that's just it's just egregious what they did. And I, I, it doesn't need to be a funeral. It, it could be vengeance. But it's, not gonna, but it's not going to be vengeance because this is sort of I, I almost wonder if that's just playing into their hands like this is we get to poke you. We get to prod you. We get to. I, I mean, in, in all seriousness, what Luke Fickle has built over these last three seasons in particular is incredibly special. It's elite football. They've proved themselves on the national stage time and time again. You know, it was a very, it was a close peach bowl loss, but it was an incredibly hard fought game against one of the best teams in the country, a team who is now unanimously number one and then we come back the following season we come back stronger we come back and we go on the road against against one of the biggest programs one of the biggest brands in college football and dominate them on the road and take over their stadium and send that look, message look, but instead we're going to show up at college game day and now did occupy did, o- did occupy wall street did occupy wall street get a get a following or get get known because people didn't occupy wall street because they didn't show up in protest out front of out front of the New York Stock Exchange, or did it get mentioned because people camped there for months? Fucking dominate the airwaves with booze every just three straight hours of just booing the system of just just expressing your displeasure at every single thing about it. And if you really want to boycott the product, if we don't make it, don't watch any of the playoff games. 
get the ratings down to zero. Don't watch them if you're if you're not a fan of the system. You don't have to watch the playoff games, but go there and make your voice heard. Go there and use this opportunity as a chance to actually do visible protesting of the system. Be be heard. Be loud. Wear red. Be loud and make your opinion known about what you feel about this process. Where are you with that at, at with that, Brian? Because it's it's a it's a no brainer that Clifton should still be overwhelmed with, with attendance. The tailgating scene should continue to be outrageous. Uh, fans should continue to support and back and and frankly be vocal on behalf of the team uh, of the Bearcats team that's put themselves in position to be ranked higher than sixth place. How do you, how do we navigate these college game day waters having this platform now on the heels of of of, of one of the biggest jobs, uh, just corrupt jobs in in history? Yeah, so it's it's tough because um, when I first heard the news that game day was coming you know i was like for this game um what won't this provide exhibit a for the for the talking heads at espn to go yeah you know we're here um because they're they're a real good football team but you know they're playing tulsa and, and it almost serves as it as an exhibit to their you know, collusion and, and their efforts at trying to prop up these other conferences and these other schools. Um, so, you know, I, I think Hummer's right that boycotting doesn't make sense. You got to show because they got to know that like, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're an elite football, college football environment. And we are like, I think about how far this program has come. I think about what it was like back in the day to show up to a game, what the grid looked like, what, um, you know, Calhoun looked like. And it was, it, it's night and day, how marvelous of an environment Clifton has become. The city of Cincinnati has become for the university of Cincinnati. I mean, it, it is, it is a makeover, like, you cannot even imagine. I mean, I've been to just about every big game environment in the SEC. And while ours doesn't necessarily scale, you know, uh, person for person, um, I can tell you that it's, it's as rancorous a, an environment to play. It's as neat a cultural experience as those other universities. Um, and, and it's ascended and new. Um, so, you know, I think showing up is important. I also think um, coordination is the best way forward to really get your message across. I mean, you know, if you, they're going to screen out signs, right? They're not going to, they're not going to put, they're not going to allow you to um, throw up signs that, that say, you know, say, yeah, but. <laughs> if everybody coordinates and everybody has a sign that says the fix is in and you know, then it's a, uh, you know, it's a, uh, a tactful way of getting it across. Now they're still going to censor it. It's their show. They get to decide who's going to be in the shot. We should, we should, we lost the sign should read. We should have lost the Stanford. (laughs) Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Now. Yeah. That I like that. I like a bunch of different signs. Like, you know, congrats, uh, congrats to Fresno State, two loss Fresno State. 
you know, things that kind of highlight in, in an ironic way might maybe that yeah, enough of those send the signal. But I also think guys, we're, we're, it's a little unrealistic to expect there to be unanimity among the fan base. Cause I, I, I guarantee you there's, you know, there, there's, 25% who are going to show up and they're going to think that it's the neatest thing in the world that college game day is, is that you see, I do think by the way, it is, is certainly a marker, right? It is a sign. It's a signpost of our success. It is, you know, it is, it's important, but this year at this time, it's just, it's ill-fitting. It's ill-timed, and it it the moment I saw it, my stomach immediately was like, oh, you know, there was something in my gut that was like, I don't like them taking this opportunity to stand on this, you know, sit on a stage and dunk on us. I don't want to hear Herb Street not only um, trying to act like, hey, I'm an Ohio guy, and I, you know, I just think that the Big Ten is is so great. You know, and everybody's ignoring that Gary Barta is the athletic director for Iowa. You know, it's 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 all of this subterfuge and all all of these apologetics being offered when, in reality, behind the scene, it doesn't matter. You know, if we are undefeated and we have a top ten road win, and they're still they still dropped us in at six, they still didn't even talk about what last year looked like. I bet the committee spends most of its time. I mean, these are, these are late stage, late career um, bureaucrats that work at universities. I'm not diminishing those folks, but these are people who, you know, they're not watching game film. They're not sitting there, you know, uh, rapidly consuming um, all of the folks to make sure, you know, all of the games to make sure they're making the absolute, you know, best decision they could possibly make. I think they're watching games on occasion. And I think they're watching the ESPN talking heads. And it's this, this never ending feedback loop where ESPN is subtly or not so subtly guiding them to draw the conclusions that they want them to draw. And only, uh, you know, unless and until there, there is, a, you know, Hummer, you said that, you know, this could be ESPN's biggest mistake. It, it, it really could hurt the college football brand. And it really could hurt their appearance as being, you know, a, a worldwide and equal opportunity leader in sports. Right. Because if it's so clear that you are only, you are just going to pander to the networks that you have the biggest contracts with, then you're only going to you're only going to get market share with viewers that are located in those conference areas where those teams are located. I don't know. I, I've said a lot um, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm worked up. <laughs> All of us are. I, I can barely put my thoughts together, but. I do think I, I understand any Bearcat fan out there. Like I understand every possible reaction to this news, to this ranking. You know, we've seen, we've already received feedback on Twitter, a plenty saying boycott game day. 
don't go to game day. I'm not going anymore. This is total bullshit, et cetera, et cetera. I can't blame those people for feeling that way. But I also know, and I think you hit on this, Brian, and, and Hummer, of course you did too. It's not going to be boycotted. Like there, <laughs> it's, it's a national program. It's the pinnacle of, of college football coverage for better or worse. And because of that, the novelty of it, there's going to be people there. And so to, to me, I'm, I'm more so in agreement with Hummer, with you, that it feels more appropriate and more impactful to try and control and harness the feeling that we have as a fan base and turning that into some sort of, I don't know, un, at least discomfort, but at, at most chaos for ESPN so that they are made to feel unwelcome and, and they are made to feel that we know exactly what you're doing and here's how you've done it. And, and Brian, you kind of summarized the fact that they don't really watch football and these aren't film heads. You can tell they're not, but you can also tell what they're doing in these rooms. Where they, how they ranked 15 through 25 makes it obvious that when they have these conversations, it's about, well, Oregon needs to be in front of Ohio State because of the head-to-head. But we really need to have Ohio State in front of Cincinnati because we want to see them work their way up into the playoff. But we need them to also have to have enough opportunities on the back end of their schedule to boost their ranking or for Oregon to have some games in hand that we can, they can hang their hat on. So let's put Fresno state at 23, 24, whatever they ended up at. All of it is so calculated to the point where it, it, it simply can't be coincidence. Cause we saw the same thing last season. So there does need to be some sort of awakening for the college football viewing audience to say, this is not right. This is not true, true competition. This is not a college football playoff. It is, in every sense of the word, an invitational for the biggest, richest, most famous programs. And it doesn't matter what they do on the field. We're going to make sure they end up at the finish line every single year. It's the brand showcase. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not, not that I want to give Wake Forest any, any, any props in any way, shape, or form. But being 8-0, and, and they're in the, AC, the ACC. They're in a Power 5 conference number eight, but they don't have, they don't have the brand power, right? The brand power to, to, to vault themselves up into the conversation. But the way they're setting it up is that there's legitimately going to be potentially three, one loss teams in this thing. Three, one loss, one loss teams making up the college football playoff. When you're going to have an undefeated Cincinnati, an undefeated Oklahoma, like I said, I don't really want to give Wake Forest prop, but we're talking undefeated. Wake Forest could be undefeated at the end of the season. You know, there's teams that should be filling that backlog, but you're gonna you're gonna fill it in with these teams that just because they have the brand, because they have the star power, if you would, for the quote unquote ratings. Like it's a joke. It's sickening. And at the end of the day, I think that's what's also irritating me is that, you know, one loss Oregon, the one loss Alabama, that like you pointed out, Coomer, they intentionally left off. SMU in Houston. I feel like that was an intentional move to make sure we have no opportunities because you heard them say it. It was one of their talking points on the show. Oh, I'm more concerned about what's going on in uh, uh, seven through 10 back there because, you know, Oklahoma, as they go through their schedule, they're going to, they're going to go up the rankings. Uh, Michigan has opportunities for big wins, uh, you know, over Ohio State, they could jump in the rankings. It's like, give me a break. All right, give me a break with your, your bullshit. That's exactly why you, you developed the rankings the way you did to give these teams the opportunities to make sure we don't have any. And that there's no way you could convince me otherwise because, look, we're going to have two potentially one-loss teams. If you look at the standings in the American Athletic Conference, it's going to be you know 
zero loss Cincinnati, one loss SMU, one loss Houston. That is a very real, sorry, two loss SMU because they will lose to us. So think about uh, clarifying my mistake there. (laughs) Yeah. I think about the, you know, think about being, you know, we, we have focused so much as a fan base, as a university on making sure that we get into a power conference, Oklahoma is in the big 12 where we are headed. They're undefeated having played a sizable slate of big 12 competition. They're eight. They're two below us. Clemson or Clemson. See, I'm already been brainwashing program to, <laughs> to I want to put Clemson in um, wake Forest plays in the ACC undefeated, even lower. I mean, the haves and the have nots is not, it's not separated between the power conferences and the G five. That is a, a dividing line that is, you know, is what people point to, to make the, the programs in the power five that lack, you know, the, the sexy brand recognition that, ESPN craves so much um, that that's to placate them to th- make them believe that they have a chance when this year is very much putting on display the fact that no, 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 it's not, it's not five power, power conferences and all of the teams that play within those conferences that have a legitimate shot at the college football playoff. No, no, no. It's actually only 10 teams. It's only if any of those 10 teams hit, then there's a possibility. Otherwise, you're, you're, you're looking at being ranked eighth. You're looking from the outside in and you're Wake Forest. And, you know, it's, I, I, think, I think it's a little um, disheartening to see. Oh, when I saw Oklahoma at eight, I was like, holy smokes. That, that <laughs> is terrifying. Um, you know, when considering our future, I mean, yeah, revenue and all that. I mean, it's, I'm not saying we don't move. I'm just saying that that's, that was like a, oh gosh, you know, we are going to have to continue scheduling solid out of conference teams, you know, because it's still an uphill battle. Like it's still a very much an uphill battle. We have not gotten out of jail. Uh, The big 12 is not the, the final destination in terms of being able to actually get consideration for this thing. It, it seems very much like a predetermined Cincinnati undefeated Cincinnati can work their way into a final college football playoff ranking of seven or eight. That does seem like the, the end game here. It's, it's hard to envision it any other way. You guys mentioned wake forest. And if you look at their, their AAC, sorry, their, their ACC schedule beating Florida state 35, 14 at Virginia, 37, 17, Louisville 37-34, Syracuse 40-37, Duke 45-7. If that were the results of Clemson any other season, which frankly I bet it looks pretty similar to what Clemson did in 2020 or 2019, that team's not anywhere close to to number – where did they finish? They're at number nine, right? They're, they're of course, going to end up much higher in the rankings. They're in the college football playoff at that point, so it's a brilliant point to say this isn't so much about which conference you're affiliated with it's really just, who are you? Are you one of these 10 teams? You've got dibs on the college football playoff and their odds of, of getting four hits from those 10 teams, 12 teams, whatever the case may be, like they're, they're going to fill those, they're going to fill those spots 
every single season. And then in terms of college football playoff expansion, that feels more and more like a pipe dream as days go forth because it seems to be disrupted anytime there's any sort of realignment uh, or conferences get shaken up. And that's going to continue happening. That's not slowing down anytime soon. So I don't really see it. It feels it feels a bit hopeless at the moment if you're if you're the University of Cincinnati and if you're a fan of this of this program. And if you're a fan of Oklahoma, frankly, or if you're a fan of, you know, uh, of Wake Forest or if you're a Northwestern fan or a a fan of Oklahoma, Purdue. I wouldn't put Oklahoma in there. Oklahoma has made the playoff. They will continue to get those dibs. They seem to just kind of be the black sheep of the family this year. They're 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 number 10 out of 10 on that school list. They're not getting respected this season. Yeah, let's just be real. They're not getting respected because of what everybody knows. They're on the verge of losing a game every single week, whether it's on the verge of losing to Tulsa or or Kansas. They are, in fact, on the verge of losing a game every week. And, you know, that that's that's the truth. And we talked about this last week or on Sunday. The thing that really hurt, whether this was a preordained act that we were going to be no matter what six, you know, suspend the disbelief for, for one second and say we come out and we crush Navy and we crush Tulane and we therefore have achieved the definition of perfect that this that the, the media has, has put on us. Because perfect for us is different than perfect for Oregon. Perfect for Oregon is losing to Stanford. Perfect for Ohio State is losing to Oregon, and perfect for Alabama is losing to Texas A&M. Perfect for the University of Cincinnati is not having the ability to lose to anybody. But not only that, it is it is de- demolishing everybody, making sure you're hitting every single spread. You have to have style points on every single victory that you have, and if you don't have that, you're not perfect. You're not going to get that shot, and you're out. So that that's that's where that's what's so infuriating is that that's where we're at. And I think even if we had a 12-team playoff, you'd probably be seeing Cincinnati sitting at number 13 right now. I, I, that's, that's, I've, I I've always maintained that. Right. I've always maintained that, that it doesn't matter. Whatever the number is, we're going to find ourselves outside looking in. Um, the beautiful chaos of football is that it really is impossible to do what you just described, Homer. It, it's, it's just impossible to do. I think you know there might be an Alabama team out there uh, that that has accomplished domination of every single opponent throughout their schedule. But frankly, the beauty of the sport is that you do get wild and crazy results. And that week to week, it is very difficult to win games. And so when you, Oklahoma's probably being punished for barely beating Tulane on their home field. They're probably being, being punished and not because of that it happened to them, but that it gave Cincinnati fans and, and advocates for the university to say, Hey, we just beat Tulane on the road by 19. And I know everybody's saying it wasn't as dominant a performance as it should have been, but Hey, your other favorite there in the big 12, uh, soon to be sec, Oklahoma barely beat them on their home field. So you need to go ahead and eliminate that talking point from your mouth. Uh, that's probably Oklahoma's punishment is, is that they simply didn't take care of business against the team that the committee wanted to use against us, even though we did win the game again by 19 points. Yep. Um, and, and I think, it, it, you know, they, you, you heard Gary Barta as chief apologist for the committee, um, IOAD, um, you know, as they, as he's discussing the, you know, the last two weeks against Navy and then against Tulane, um, you know, it, it's, it's so incredibly insane for a, 
if you're trying to figure out what four teams to put in to put a school like the university of Cincinnati in the sixth spot, just because you didn't like how, uh, how comfortably we won the last two weeks, you know, I, like to, to slice the data set that thinly is preposterous. Um, you know, we, we talk about game day circling back. I, I think we almost need a song leader. We need someone who is capable. You know, you've, you've seen the Texas A&M uh, song leader kinds of guys. Have you, have you seen any of the videos of them just looking incredibly oh, awkward? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. <laughs> what we the need. Pacing, yeah. The overalls. We almost need a, like a series of chants that folks can, can shout in unison whenever the cameras are on us or whenever there's an opportunity for voices to be heard in order to get some of that stuff across. Because I do think that, you know, you, you could send, you know, they're going to be able to limit your signs. What they can't do is probably limit your ability to in unison chant, you know, uh, either clever things, funny things, hateful things, you know, they're going to be relatively limited um, in that regard. If, and if the, the low hum uh, that, that folks and fans across the country here, you know, are all of these chants for three solid hours. I think that would be pretty funny. Yeah. I do not put it past uh, our fan base. I don't put that past our student section. Anybody's going to be there uh, to not get that done. Cause all it's going to take is one person to start that chant in the middle of a crowd. That's clever and the people around him are going to hear it, and it's just going to spread. It's going to go viral within the crowd. Next thing you know, Cincinnati is being muted on game day, further ad- further advancing the the corruptness, the message that the football the committee is corrupt and that the media is biased against Cincinnati by silencing our voices. It'll be I told you this could be the absolute worst day in ESPN's history. Is it is it worth? And I completely agree on that. I almost think like Hummer, Hummer went off, uh, described it initially as sort of like stoking fines for ESPN by being crude and, and with the curse words. I do think there's a, an argument to be clever, witty, keep it almost clever. that PG because your message can, it's going to be easier to go viral in that case. Like, you know, the, 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 the amount of media out there that would share uh, pointing out the Fresno state situation, pointing out the fact that Oregon lost. We won Stanford. (laughs) (laughs) It's beautiful. I mean, are there any other, I mean, are there any other clear contradictions we should make sure we're met? F Gary Barta. If, if F Gary Barta became the anthem, that was like the, the constant refrain, then you're going to have a bunch of college football fans across the country kind of unknowingly absorbing, uh, you know, that, that chant. <laughs> is it just instead of uh instead of let's go brandon this week it's going to be let's go barda is that what we're doing like, <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> a let's go barda um look oregon i just want to i want to stick on oregon for a minute because they are the most out of place team on this ranking sheet but again it's because they need to be in front of ohio state because of that head-to-head yeah uh, they can't they couldn't afford to commit that type of crime crime against oregon um or so yeah to have ohio state in front of them but if you look at their schedule so they beat fresno state the almighty Fresno state team by seven. They, they, then their, their incredible victory this season is winning at Ohio state. That's their one calling card. Um, 
Stony Brook, obviously a cake cake opponent. They then dispose. Disagree. Disagree. (laughs) Yeah. But but go ahead. A very subpar Arizona team uh, that's 41-19. Winless, Winless, right? Are they winless? I think they're winless, Arizona. They lose to Stanford, who in all, I think has three wins on the season and may not get another one the rest of the year. They beat Cal 24-17. Cal's record, I want to double-check this fact, and of course it's not going to load. Cal's record is 3-5. and They are 2-3. and in the Pac-12, and and Oregon beat them at home by seven. They went to UCLA and won 34 to 31. Uh, UCLA, let's try and fact check what their record is they're, right now. They're five, they're five and three, so the, you know five they have four. a big budget. Five and Don't four. forget, they have a big budget. Okay, they have tons of money. And then home to Colorado is their most recent victory. Um, if we're gonna if we're gonna really focus on and hone in on the on those last two weeks, like Barta said. Colorado's two and six. The schedule for Oregon is, is, butt, it's booty, it's crap. And yet that team is sitting at fourth in the college football playoff rankings right now, simply because they, they need them. They and need them they too have because cool, of Ohio state. Well, they have cool jerseys and they have cool jerseys. That's right. Uh, Phil Knight likes them, right? Because um, I mean, just like let's if you want to just talk about the intellectual dishonesty there, though. UC went to Notre Dame and beat them handedly at their place. They also went on the road and won in Indiana, which is a subpar Big Ten team, but still nonetheless. They then have disposed of opponents in much more dominating fashion than Oregon has. Oregon's played the same types of of subpar teams that we have outside of that big road win, and yet somehow they're 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 two spots in front of us, uh, despite losing. Again, they have actually lost a game already to a team that's going to finish with a th- with with three wins this season or could finish with three wins. Well, what the main stat you're missing, though, between all those schools, like, and this, this is probably on the committee sheet, right? What you got to look at is what is the overall size of the athletic budget that you're playing against and that instantly gives you credibility no matter if that team has zero wins or or 20 wins as long as they have a huge athletic budget you know that that's a good that's a good victory yeah what do you do what do you what do you do if you're Luke Fickle right now i just saw that he's going to be on Dan Patrick's radio show tomorrow he's a man who's who's famous for not paying attention to the rankings and and at times you know maybe not even bringing enough hype to all that is actually being accomplished here he likes he likes letting what happens on the field speak for itself. Is his hand being forced here where it feels like, you know, you got it at some point we need to call this for what it is. He well, and his players are being absolutely jobbed out of what they rightfully earned. There's a reason that, he, that Desmond was not on the show tonight. Um, and, and I think that's because the spidey sense was, you know, we're going to get jobbed. So do you really want to put our quarterback uh, in the position of needing to respond emotionally in the moment to, you know, learning that they're sixth rather than where all of the AP voters and coaches poll voters had them at two. Um, I, you know, so if you're Luke Fickle, I think a lot of that depends on what your future looks like. I mean, I hate to say it, but, you know, if if it's me and I know that my – 
my seat is safe and I'm pretty much staring down a lifetime contract at University of Cincinnati and that's where I want to finish my career. Um, I'm unhinged. You know, as a coach, I am unhinged. I'm uh, I'm right now on the phone and I'm saying to to people, you know, hey, I need talking points. I want a list and I want to go down the list and I want to completely dismantle the college football playoff committee. I want to dismantle their rankings. I want to talk about the embedded assumptions that make it so poisonous. Um, and I, I want I want to go on record that I'm going to fight like hell to prevent this committee from stealing our opportunity after we have, again, played near perfect football for the last three years. Um, if, however, you know, you, you look at a Gary Barta athletic director at Iowa and you think, I wouldn't mind ending up at Iowa or, you know, I wouldn't mind ending up at Penn state. If James Franklin takes the job at LSU, maybe you pump the brakes a little bit and you try to look more dignified. I don't know. Um, but I, you know, at this point, it's, it's a street fight and, and, you know, all, all bets are off because nobody's list. Like there, there are people who have been on the business end. Like we, well, like we are right now, the UCF fans, we, we spent the better part of a couple of weeks, absolutely roasting the UCF fans and for bringing up, you know, 2017 and um, it, it is, Ironically, it is UCF UCF's fan base that we need in this moment. Like we need every fan base that isn't among those ten who have an actual opportunity at the prize to surface and say, "No, no, no this this is wrong. This is immoral. This is ugly. This is bad for the sport." And we need those folks like crazy. And the only way that your voice can cut through the wilderness of ESPN's lies is to throw everything that you possibly can out there and to take the gloves off and to get in the, in the middle of the street fight and to say, yeah, I will not, I will no longer sit for this. Uh, Gary Barta, if you want to have a wrestling match, let's do it. I still got all the singlets. I hope that's the response, right? I think it's, I think it's promising that he's going on national radio the day after these release. Um, I I'm skeptical that you're going to get a Luke Fickle who's ready to to burn the burn this motherfucker to the ground for lack of a better wow. term. I don't I don't think that's right. I don't I don't think you're right. He kind of made a comment and he asked, uh, I guess was he was doing the Has, radio show yeah, tonight, right? And he asked, uh, does does is Gary Barta has he played football? <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe we will maybe we will see him come out with a little bit of fire and you know, basically kind of maybe go at them from a sarcastic point of view of like, you guys are, they don't know what they're talking about. This is, you know, fight. He, he's going to be a fighter. He wants, he knows what he has in this team. It's a rare team. It's a rare. First off, it's rare for any team to win and relatively speaking, to win national championships, right? Unless you're Alabama and you're, you're doing it consistently, repeatedly. Ohio state hasn't won one since what? 14. It's rare right? to get an opportunity so, to compete so, for one. Right. That's all we're asking is but an opportunity it's to rare, compete. It's even rarer to have a team that is has the talent to to compete for one, and we do have a team with talent to do it. So he's gonna. I think he is gonna fight like hell for it. 
because he knows this is a team that has the talent to get the job done. And you got to fight for these moments. If you don't, then it's, it's all, you're wasting that. You're wasting breath. You're wasting time. He's going to fight for it. I, I think about thing, Luke. Go ahead. If, if the worst thing Luke Fickle says though, is get Garrett to Gary Barr to play football. Like that's not enough. That's no. actually not very aggressive. Um, we, right. you need more than normal, typical coach speak platitudes that are, you know, we disagree, look at the film, we're talented. No, like it needs to be scathing indictments of their process, the contradictions in their actual rankings, specifically calling out the schools that shouldn't be ahead of, of the Bearcats at this point that haven't actually earned it based on resume through the first eight weeks of the season. Um, I, it has to be, it has to be a dramatic shift in tone from Luke Fickle uh, to really, you know, to, to, to comfort me. I'm just looking for some comfort. I want to see, as was the case last season, it was looking for some comfort that someone in a position of power at the University of Cincinnati is going to use their voice and their platform to really fight for us because we care. We love this program. We're all in getting behind them, selling out game after game after game, trying to find the additional funds to, to build an indoor practice facility and take this, uh, take this, uh, this program to a completely new level. And, and when you get job like this for the second year in a row, there just needs to be that same level of anger and frustration and pain coming from the administration. I think both from Luke Fickle and from John Cunningham. Um, and that's not to say like, I mean, nothing should have necessarily happened tonight. It's just something I hope that we're willing to see. Like we're, I hope that we're willing to, to see an effort to, like you said, Brian, just pull in other fan bases who aren't a part of this club or this cabal to say, Hey, this isn't right. It's not fair. Uh, it's not in the spirit of competition. Yeah. And, and I, I think, you know, as I said to my friend, Tim Brando, my online friend, Tim Brando, um, you know, shame is the only way, the, the only path forward. The only way that, that we stand a fighter's chance, a puncher's chance in this fight is, is to shame them, is to embarrass them, is for them, for the committee itself to be so out of step with the national media and fans across the country of other fan, you know, of other teams that aren't one of the, the four favored schools. It, it's going to take that kind of an outpouring of opposition and frustration. I think only then, only with that amount of shame, will they reconsider. And we're never going to get an apology, but if there's enough shame, if there's, if there is a groundswell of anger and fine, I'm done, I'm tuning out, then maybe they listen because then maybe the sponsors go, Hey, you know what? I, I, I agree. You know, this is messed up and I don't want to be a part. I don't want to be affiliated with something that's so clearly biased against large market teams, teams in a large media market in the state of Ohio, like that, that doesn't make any sense. And I keep hearing all of these, you know, well, you know, occasionally the talking heads will refer to, well, you know, um, it's, it would be embarrassing for the school. You know, they'll, they'll, if we put them in there with Georgia, they'll just get boat raced. Well, one, we'll look at last year, okay? Well, Alabama will beat them by 40. They wouldn't, you know, oh, you know what? I've watched Ohio State. I've watched Notre Dame. I've watched all of these programs show up and get destroyed by Alabama, right? By Clemson. I've watched it year after year. And if, if it's really just a, a two dog race, 
and it's the you know the globe trotters versus the generals. Let why can't we have our turn as the generals? Why can't we have a shot at getting boat raced? It doesn't make sense. And the and the you talk about the distinction between how how Fick handles it and how John Cunningham handles it. I mean, you're you're if you're John Cunningham, you have to evaluate the financial detriment that this collusion has on your university. The financial impact here is not in the thousands of dollars. It is in the millions of dollars. And even more to that, you know, we, we always talk about how, um, you know, the best and brightest marketing and advertising campaign you can have for the University of Cincinnati is a successful football team. Game day is going to be there, millions of viewers, right? I mean, we're, think about our exposure. Think about the net negative impact of not being able to play in the college football playoff. When you're talking about not just real hard, hard net dollars, not in the door by virtue of us playing in another bowl. But beyond that, the, the fewer eyeballs that are going to be seen, less students who get exposed to our brand and, and are drawn to it, like college football so uh, powerfully does draw students to want to be interested in a school. Um, and, you know, in terms of Fickle's response, I think about, you know, if I was him and God, how great that would be <laughs> just that to be that handsome uh, and successful and disciplined, um, you know, those hands and those hands and it's the ability to wrestle any other grown men or bear to uh, to a victory. It, it's just but if I was sorry, I got on sidetrack. If I was fickle, um, my response would be one, I, I would. I would pursue the shame project. I would try to shame them. I would try to embarrass them. And I would have people researching, working on some of the talking points so that I really got, got out the best arguments. Because Dan Patrick is a perfect audience for this. Dan Patrick used to work at ESPN. He's constantly you know, uh, mocking the mothership and this, that, and the other. So he, he is a, a really great audience He's got a national platform, so if he said some funny stuff or really owned uh, the, the committee, he, you know, it would it would absolutely take off. And so, you know, in addition to the shame project, though, if I was him, I would be challenging the top four schools. I would say, look, you know, wherever Alabama plays next, we'll be in the nearest high school football field warming up, and if they want to play us. We'll play them anytime, anywhere, any field, any weather, morning, noon, or night. Just show up, baby, because our team can go toe-to-toe with anybody. And I would constantly be banging that drum and say, yeah, that's great, Oregon. We'll, play, we'll, we'll come to Eugene. We will fly to Eugene tomorrow to play Oregon. Let's play Oregon. And I really think you know, nobody does that because it's not you know, professional wrestling. But man, why not? I, I I believe in this team enough, and to to look at that Oregon team and to go, this Oregon team is garbage, right? And and we would beat the tar out of this Oregon team. We would beat the Nike symbol off of those beautiful jerseys. And I believe that. So I would I would truly say, hey Mario Cristobal, you you congratulations on your ranking, right? You're four, cool. We'll see if you can hang on to it against that mighty schedule that you face from here on out. But let me offer you this opportunity. The University of Cincinnati Bearcats are willing to fly to Eugene and will play any day of the week. 
We'll play at any time that you want to play. We'll pay for the refs. Hell, we'll pay for the stadium. We will pay your costs of operating your stadium. And, and we don't have to let a fan in. And we'll play anywhere. I would love it. I mean, that's that's kind of the tone and the tenor that we need to be taking at this point. Um, before the season on that Let It Fly series, and this is kind of a story just to, to reemphasize why it's so important to be furious and to be willing to burn it down right now, um, <laughs> is the fact that, you know, Dan Horde was describing the fact that he was kind of explaining what happened last season in terms of not getting that opportunity to be in the playoff because for a, for a, a, a G5 program like Cincinnati, they, uh, they typically need to have a two-year window, right? You need to stack a, a, a dominant undefeated season on top of another undefeated dominant season as a way to prove that you are truly legit. And the reason that Cincinnati was in such a unique and special position is that you had this amazing undefeated year, despite a, a pandemic ravaging the country and, and disrupting seasons and making programs fall off the map during that season. They went undefeated, they battled through it, and they were still snubbed. Well, we're coming back with the same quarterback. We're coming back with the same coach. He didn't bail for a bigger opportunity. We're coming back with the depth and talent on the roster that is that, that NFL scouts are drooling over. Like there are legitimate first round, second round, third round, fourth round picks on this team. And it's, it's littered with them. They are built to stack up against the best in the country. And because of that, this year is going to be different. And now here we are week one of the playoff rankings and they're showing you, <laughs> no, it's not. We're going to, we're going to F you again, right from the start. You don't even have hope at this point. Now, some people would say there should still be hope like at six, is there a viable path to make the playoff at this point? I never even asked that question. Like, should we be talking about whether or not we can actually still make the playoff from the starting point of six? Depends what you believe about the committee. Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's the first and foremost right there. What do you believe about the committee? And that's why I didn't um, even ask the question, right? Like, they, that's they, why it took me this long to ask because we already know the answer to that question. There, there, there is a way though. There is a path that we do make it. It, there is, it just sucks. There's a lot of, ifs you need Oregon has to lose right that's that's number one you still need Oklahoma to lose you need um you, you probably need Ohio State to beat Michigan right and then you need maybe Ohio State to lose again like it's there's this they basically think, did, they, they took it need. out of our hands they took it out of our hands and we have to basically now hope for a Christmas miracle and that this is just the absolute season of chaos and that somehow Ohio State ends up with two losses Oklahoma loses uh Michigan, it's, it's just not, it's just it's chaos. not just football though. Like it's not just what happens on the football field. It goes back to pairing it with the shame that Brian talked about. That's like we actually have to completely change and and dismantle the narrative out there and change the way people think about college football in order to have a hope. And that that seems far fetched, but to me, we can't actually discuss credibly whether we can make the playoff from number six unless we are watching Luke Fickle and John Cunningham take these people to task, creating that shame you're talking about where Barta and the committee, like the next week you see, like they start unwinding the damage they've done. That's the, really the only way I see a path forward. I look, I mean, they, the committee put a three loss Florida team ahead of us last year. <sighs> now the joke. I mean, so I, I think, I, I think the committee doesn't mind telling a Cinderella story. They just don't want to tell it with the University of Cincinnati. So there, there's, yeah, there's a path for an undefeated team to make the playoff. 
but that undefeated team is probably Oklahoma, right? Um, wow, they were they started in you know eight and they worked their way up as if you know Oklahoma with its you know ginormous fan base is somehow a Cinderella story, or or they'll do it with Wake because it's the ACC and you know the the money people behind the scenes where where we don't see the duffel bags exchanged. I mean, those folks are the ones who are going to drive the process. I mean, yes, there could there's a scenario where the, there could be adequate chaos above us for us to sneak in. Um, the 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 darker parts of my imagination, however, still envision the committee going out of its way to prevent us from getting there, and um, and they'll use any anything that is out there to grasp at. And you know, we we have seen a there is a there is a a small legion that wants to fight this war with us. Okay. Of course, my, my online friend, Tim Brando, he's in that legion. Okay. Nicole Auerbach is absolutely riding for the university of Cincinnati. Every, every tweet tonight was spot on and it was a direct assault on the college football committee and how they're treating the university of Cincinnati. Stuart Mandel has been out there. He's been banging the drum. Joey Galloway's out there saying, this is, this is not fair. This isn't right. We need that legion to grow into a, an enormous and mighty army of shamers. I mean, we need, we need folks in the national media who care about fairness, who care about um, excellence, who care about a, near, a, a team who's been near perfect for several years, getting an opportunity to play when, you know, they, they really should have had one last season. And then they're going to again, treat us the way that they treated UCF who went back to back years. They went at, you know, down to the wire with LSU in a bowl game. And then the next year they, they again got a new year six bowl, but they beat Auburn that time. And it was always discounted. You look at our roster, you look at how many viable draft picks we have. You look at Desmond Ritter's last year at the university. Um, <clears throat> you look at the, the, the guys on this team, the possibility of, of you know, a, a coach, coaching carousel causing us to lose <clears throat> our beloved Coach Fick. Um, I, I feel a, a level of desperation this year and now that I haven't felt. I didn't feel it last year. This year, I think, like, if, if we get boxed out this year, I don't, I don't know that we're going to be in the conversation next year. I think it's um, reasonable to think that there will be a drop-off when we lose this much talent. And, and so yeah, that's not, that's not an unfair sentiment. Like that's, that's just reality. Yep. So, so there's going to be a a drop-off which again, I think sometimes drives the coaching decisions. Um, Hopefully not. And not going there. Not, I can't go there tonight. I know. So there, so, so this team, this moment, this year, Notre Dame on the schedule, on the road, defeating them handily. Like this is the year that it's, it's, it's all, we got to go all out because otherwise, you know, we're, we're looking down the barrel of a, a, a minor, a, a modified rebuild um, under Fick. And then, you know, and then everything changes, right? Our schedule changes and we're not going to get the opportunity to, to, to go beat Rudy's team in South Bend. Um, every year or in the future, we don't have any, I don't think they're on the schedule. So this is the year and 
that's why I'm freaked out. And that's why the, the, that I think Luke's got to throw everything at him. Well, I'll, I'll bring, I'll try to bring it back, hopefully a little bit off the cliff of fear of what we're not going to mention. Uh, the thing with fickle though, with what he's done here from the recruiting aspect, he's built the pipeline already. And so the team is still poised for success. Maybe are we, are we top five next year? Probably not. Let's be real, being realistic. Yeah, we're talking is about it, playoff, it, playoff conversation. Good. But is it, unrealistic, if it is, is it unrealistic that Cincinnati next year might be a top 15 team? I don't know. We have a lot of players that we have in the pipeline that could potentially be up there and keep us in contention of being a really good football team. So the fact that he's already built that, you have to go and build that again somewhere else. So he's already has that here. He has his recruiting networks. If you go out to Southern California and you're going to recruit locally, you have to rebuild all those, all those connections, which I'm not saying Fick can't do. I'm, I'm sure he'd be very successful at it, but it'd be, a time, it'd be a process. You'd have to go and do it, but he already has it here. You just said you were going to pull us back from the cliff, and I feel like that was the, the most tempting statement you could put out there for baiting me into to asking the question then, aren't we af- actually having an existential crisis now as, as the, as Cincinnati Bearcats fans? Because I'm not. you're saying I'm he's building having... here. You're saying he's building here and has built something special and he absolutely has. But then the crisis he's having when he's, when he's having this conversation with Amy and his family and, and his, and his, uh, his, his, his most trusted accomp- um, acquaintances, he's asking himself, well, what am I actually building toward more American athletic championships, New York six bowls that are, that are not actually playing for championships because the boxing out is having real world consequences for our university and what we're trying to do here. Because when you show us that the greatest team in our history that is stacked on top of an undefeated regular season team in 2020, and you're saying we're not even going to sniff the playoff again, we're not even going to get to pretend that we're in the conversation from the get go. That's hugely problematic for Luke Fickle. We don't, and it's hugely problematic for our university. We don't know what next year team next year's team's going to be. We don't know. We don't know how good they're going to be. But it doesn't. What what this year's proving is it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter how good they are. Are they going to be better than this team? We don't know. And and and, you know it's hard. It's hard to game theory out. What? <laughs> I love this right now. We don't know. Get him, Zach. We don't know. Zach we don't is know. Just tiling in. I'm revved up. Like I, you I know. he's like he's like he's gone. Over. He's he has his sunscreen packed. No, you're he already. Is, starting... He had his flip flops and his and his flamingo shorts. He is out there on Santa Monica Boulevard. Just he bought a jet ready ski. to go. I've seen no, him the on argument, the jet ski, dude. The argument you're using though, I think you're. It's you're because he it. has he's he has his blood, sweat, and tears in it, and that's what I'm hoping that he's that keeps him here. Is that his family loves Cincinnati? That he loves the school of Cincinnati? That he loves what he's built? He's that he doesn't want to have to go shit. and redo it. He's right. And so this is, this is more, this would be a harder task for him to complete long-term than going to USC, go to LSU and fall into a national championship. That's what happens down there. You don't even have to have a good coach, be a good coach to win a national championship. At LSU, you just win one and then you get fired or sorry, mutually part ways at the end of a season, two years removed from that because it's just, it's UCLA. Or so USC. If, Luke, if, if, if Luke Fickle's comfortable, with the, with the process so much so that he's okay with getting jobbed at Cincinnati again and again and again in perpetuity, he's not the coach we think he is. This guy wants to win you know and compete per- you for know national championships. But you know, know it's not going to be forever. I'm saying we're, you're, we're literally you're actually, moving to a conference where we're going to be playing much better competition from top to bottom. 
that that's already, happening. Yep, and the, the leader of that conference is at eight right now. They almost lost to Kansas. They deserve to be at eight. I feel like they you're accidentally. Lost to Tulane. I feel they like you're to accidentally. Hell, we almost lost to Army, and we almost kind of lost no, to Tulane in the first. We almost deserve to be at five. You're like, inadvertently I'm only upset laying with, out the case upset why with the we should rankings be concerned. Because we have a one-loss Alabama, and we have Oregon and Ohio State. That is kind of what's irritating about this whole thing. But, like, I thought we were going to land. Honestly, the, the range could have been from two to five. And I, I would have been happy as long as it wasn't freaking Oregon, who, like, it's just a – you lost to a really bad right. Stanford team. It was audacious. Right? Yeah, they, they went beyond your wildest dreams in terms guys, of how they put us guys, in the rankings. Guys. Thank you. Rain is there. They're uniforms. Have you seen how creative their uniforms are? I mean, they go, they go lime green, they go hot yellow, they go gray, they go black. You never know what those crazy ducks are going to do. It's time for us to get Nike. That's, that's what I'm hearing. We yeah. need Nike. That's, that's the push. That gets us into the playoff if we have Nike uniforms. Jordan Brand in particular gets us into every, every NCAA tournament, no questions asked. Well, so here's what um, I think. I think it's very safe to say that Luke Fickle is insanely competitive. Um, and I, by the way, I, I'm probably not in a position to offer perspective tonight, but I'll I'll do I'll give it my level best. Um, I, I think a guy like Luke, if you were to back him into a corner in his heart of hearts. And you were to have this you conversation. Would love to back him into a corner, wouldn't you? I'm not that big old wrestler. Um, if if I was to back him into a corner, have a conversation with him, and and he were to have some time to reflect, um, you know, I think he would say, you know, I, I want to play for championships at the University of Cincinnati, and I think he would he would say. Uh, that that's the most important thing. And that's what I preach to the players. Um, but I do think he's the kind of guy who is a little deeper than just that. He doesn't let on that he's deeper, but I do think a guy who's that committed, you know, to his, his kids, his family, um, his community, his, his players, the type of coach he is, I, you know, I w- watch him interact with the guys and it's, it's not, it's not just your typical, you know, football coach relationship that he develops with these players. I mean, you, you watch him, watch him, watch, uh, watch him, watch Des as Des, you know, gives a, his comments at a press conference. I mean, he looks at his guys when they do well, like a, like an adoring father, like a proud parent. And, and I think if you were to really, kind of probe his heart on, you know, wh- why might you stay at Cincinnati, even if you found out that they, you know, that, that we can't play for a college football playoff championship. I think he would say, you know, coaching is bigger than that. And, you know, there's a process here and the process alone is life giving to me, interacting and, and developing young men to be, you know, as excellent as they possibly can. That's life giving to me. Raising my kids in a community that I love is life-giving to me. Um, having stability and some predictability for my kids is life-giving for me. I think, you know, yes, I think he wants to, you know, hoist trophies. But I also think he's not, 
you know, so vacuous that he thinks a shiny metal object is the object. It's bigger than that. Um, it's about the human beings, the young men that he's developing. And, you know, if he was about shiny objects, he's got three and a half million dollars worth of resources to buy shiny objects too. <laughs> well, let's also put it in perspective. The school that he interviewed for what, two years ago, was it Mich Michigan state? Yes. They're currently ranked in the position to be in the college football playoff. <laughs> if the season ended today, they are in Good it. Point. He turned down an opportunity for a school that would, that would be in it. If <laughs> a five and a, a five and a half million dollar opportunity. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I I know what you're saying, Brian. I do think that that Luke is a bit of a unicorn in terms of how he thinks about things, his approach, his willingness to sort of be comfortable in a position that others like Jim Tressel uh, would see as as just below them and I need to get out of here as quickly as I can. Brian Kelly's a great example of that, right? Like guys who they're happy to use this place to grow their brand and bail at the, at the first opportunity for more money and more prestige. Luke Fickle is certainly not one of those guys. Um, it's just that, look, I just can't help but think like these things are testing that patience and they're testing how far we can stretch that mentality, um, keeping, keeping our guy where he should be. And I don't want to turn this podcast into that conversation because we're far from that. There's still plenty of football left on the schedule this season. Um, I'm, I'm pretty confident that, look, if we were, if we were unhappy about a, a lull in the play of the Cincinnati Bearcats against Navy and Tulane, I have a good feeling we're going to see the best version of this team going forward. I think that lull might be over. Is that, your way of saying we are on to Tulsa. We are, we are on to Tulsa. We are on to, uh, to a homecoming. We are on to hosting Reese Davis and Kirk Derb street and, uh, and your friend Lee Corso. Uh, so, uh, is David Pollock going to be in town by the way? I hope not. I was, I was so hoping that the Eagles would have a bye this week and just have Jason Kelsey come up there and go, you know, I'm from Cincinnati and no one likes us. <laughs> any final thoughts, fellas? Uh, any, any sort of words of wisdom comfort? I don't think we're necessarily looking for comfort here. This was, this was something that was, it was a much needed venting. Um, I hope that tomorrow we are, we are seeing Luke Fickle on the Dan Patrick show uh, be his best, most aggressive, most, um, I mean, what's the word? Yeah, Almost like scathing self. I want to see. I want to see a Luke Gary Fickle who, a wrestling contest. Yeah, wrestling Luke Fickle on wrestling. the mic. Wrestling Luke Fickle on the mic is what we're looking for tomorrow. So I, I think I think um, I think Dan is the right audience. This is the right time. Um, I would love it if if Luke really went for the for the throat here. Um, <clears throat> I don't my, my I don't think he will because I don't think that's who he is. And it's because of the perspective things that I said a second ago that I think um, would both cause him not to feel it appropriate to uh, untastefully <laughs> go after Gary Bardo and, and the rest of the committee. Um, but I, the, the burn it to the ground. <laughs> what I wonder, <laughs> yeah, this is this is to me the the true metric 
is how pissed off is Amy Fickle? Because if Amy is is fired up and Amy is at home and she's like going through it and she's telling like then maybe he might he might be in a he might be lathered up tomorrow morning and ready to ride. I mean that that could that could very definitely be the case. Um, but we so we really need Amy to get him worked up tonight. Get him angry, make him mad, make him sleep outside. Um, anything you know that can that can get him kind of you know keyed up to to really deliver the argument in our defense. And you know people are talking about guest pickers. Um, I don't know who the guest picker is. Uh, I hope it is somebody like a Travis Kelsey or a Jason Kelsey. It's not going to be Jason Kelsey because I don't think the Eagles have the buy. It won't be Travis Kelsey because the Chiefs, who do the Chiefs play? Do we know? Yeah, they both play. They both play this week. <clears throat> I don't know where, though. I didn't check the uh, the where of those games. So whoever the guest picker will be, Nick Lachey or God Kevin Huber? Who else. Kevin Huber, is he available? <laughs> I don't know. But we we need that person to to not only you know you know appear on the show and be um, you know a a supporter of the university. We need them on. They need to be on a mission, <clears throat> and they are undercover for us. And their mission is simple: to completely railroad the segment that they're allowed to be the guest picker and to filibuster as much as possible and to discuss all of the reasons that the committee is corrupt and that the University of Cincinnati's uh, both record and, you know, near-term history of excellence absolutely warrants their inclusion. And, um, and I think that would be a, again, you know, the shame project, if Luke starts ripping throats out tomorrow on the Dan Patrick show, if the guest picker does, if our, our, our fans get organized, they do some funny chants um, that, that reverberate in the ears of all of the viewers of game day. If more national media begin to, you know, get completely pissed off as mad as Nicole Auerbach, um, then I think, you know, I could see the committee next week trying to uh, be more reflective of, you know, Hey, maybe we didn't read the room. Right. And that can look, that can come in a number of forms, right? Like all of a sudden Houston and SMU are creeping their way back into the top 25 Cincinnati creeps up a spot after an underwhelming performance by, uh, by Ohio state, probably not Ohio state, but Oregon, Oregon seems like a nice candidate to see themselves backslide here eventually. Um, I, I, I hope you're right. I, I think that the idea of a guest picker sort of being a saboteur of sorts, being will, willing to filibuster and almost just um, preach the gospel on national TV for us and be an incredible advocate for the university would be amazing. I think Jason Kelsey would be a fantastic candidate. He plays at home. You know, all we need is a few hours of your time. The, the, the magic of air travel can do, can do wonders. Uh, so, you know, maybe it's not completely out of the question. I have a pilot. Make airplanes. I have a pilot that would fly him. <laughs> or <laughs> free. Do. We're fine. We're flying you private, buddy. Let's so does, go. So does Kyle Decker. Grab, grab, grab your friend Connor Barwin while you're grab your friend Connor Barwin. He lives out in Philadelphia still. Bring it, bring him with you. Guys, come on out. Come on down. I saw him at the Navy game, by the way. Connor Barwin? Yep. He was there with he his kids. Good. Yeah, he look great. He good. Yeah, look great. 
looked happy, rested, and content. It's cool. Long arms, very long arms, Connor Barwin. Tremendous athlete. Tremendous athlete. Tremendous. All right. Well, I, I don't actually know uh, what happened during this last hour and a half, if that's how long we've been speaking, but I had a good time. Um, I'm still angry. I'm still revved up. And I think that's a good thing. I think we should be. I think you should feel angry, anger right now. Uh, it's, a, should it, feel ho- it's a righteous should, restlessness. A righteous restlessness is a good way to put it. And and I think maybe one thing that we didn't mention that just to that kind of drives home the point about people feeling um unsettled about how the committee has approached this the ap voters so all of these sports writers across america who are who are supposed to be you know the best at watching the game and and learning the game and studying the game and understanding the game and who's the best and it's got to be a bit of a slap in the face for them as well to see a team that you had at number two here for the past three to four weeks uh get downgraded to six by this 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 club of 13 who decided that nah you were completely off the mark and this team's not even close to where you had them unqualified club of 13 it's it's not like uh of the 13 you know four are data analytics folks and four are former coaches you know who who watch film and then you know the other four are it's not like it's some uh expert coalition that was strategically um you know compiled to make sure that they produce and generate the best outcome it's 13 bureaucrats who only care about money and their institutions and the preservation of both of those going forward i'm sorry that was that that was negative i I can't stop I'll, i'll stop I, I can't either. I don't think we're going to find any positivity here. Let's leave it there and uh, and see where, where things head after this. But uh, basketball starts in a week. Maybe that's the positive. Wes Miller, the era of Wes Miller starts next week for the Cincinnati Bearcats. I look forward to it. Brian, thank you. Thank you. As, thank you for coming on as always. We, we love speaking with you and hearing from you and, and, and you are a wise man. So uh, thank I you very feel, much for I, this was, this was uh, cathartic. Um, the healing process is beginning. Indeed it has. Until the wounds show up next, next Tuesday. <laughs> Go Bearcats.